Okay, hello and welcome to the Govern This Podcast. This is a political podcast for non-political people where we ask the simple and ignorant questions about our country and government and get them answered. In this episode, I got Professor Daniel Westlake back to walk us through our choices in the current electoral reform referendum here in British Columbia. Not dumb questions. They're just, I'm just about it. I haven't learned anything yet. So here we are in the middle of a very important referendum in BC, and I'm sure many people don't even know about it, or if they do, they probably uh, they're probably a bit confused. Um, on the other side of things, if people think they know what's going on, they may be missing a few key bits of information. Professor Daniel Westlake from University of Victoria, who teaches electoral reform, was gracious enough to sit down with me again and dig into how each of these systems work, or in some cases, could work, and what he is curious about in terms of how the government would structure them and implement things uh, for some systems, since bits of the information is a little unclear. It can get pretty detailed when we get into the weeds, but I'm confident if you're focused and ready to learn, we'll be able to, uh, through my ignorance and with Daniel's expertise, to bring most things to a head and have a little clarity with it all. And if you're like me, you might need to rewind a few times to get a handle on some of it, but if you're already a little in the know, as they say, this will also help shed some light on some of the important aspects that are being missed in both media campaigns. To help sort things out, I asked Daniel at the end of the episode uh, to share his thoughts on where the best places to actually get information are. Basically, what he says is it's finding information from academics more than from campaigns as they are so currently polarized. And as he puts it, um, look for people who talk about trade-offs who acknowledge that there are problems with any kind of electoral system. Okay, well, with that said, let's get into it, and I hope you enjoy this deep dive into electoral reform in BC with Professor Daniel Westlake. Daniel, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So things have changed since uh, we talked in April, I think it was. When we were um, just kind of getting, I was getting a little handle on electoral reform. And now we, the BC government is sending out ballots for our, our mail-in referendum. And I just got mine yesterday here and you just told me that you didn't even get yours yet. So Yeah, I moved relatively recently. So I'm trying to make sure Elections BC has the right data. And, and I think just they're slow getting the ballots out. But yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, wow, I don't even know where to start here. Maybe just give a background because when you got here, you talked about how some of the stuff we talked about, the the systems aren't even on this ballot. I don't know. Yeah, so I, I feel a little bit bad because we talked about a number of different systems last time. And then at the time, the BC government was doing a lot of research and, and, and consultation and um, they came up with three systems that are more concrete than we were able to talk about. And one of the ones we talked about, mixed member proportional, is on the ballot. But mm-hmm. they've also come up with two other systems, uh, dual member proportional, which isn't really used anywhere, which was a bit of a surprise to me, but I think actually might have some merit to it. 
um, and then a rural-urban proportional system, which is actually two electoral systems jammed together or split between two parts of the province. So when they've kind of made this more concrete, they, they've done some things that I wasn't necessarily expecting. Okay. <sighs> I'm getting scared. <laughs> it well, seems... It, it's probably Google that's doing it to me, though. Mm. It's like on my phone, you know, you have that the news feed kind of thing. And yeah, probably, yeah. Because it's something I've searched once. I keep getting articles. Like, I've been reading some of just the titles of them. And boy, there's... there's <laughs> and, and the worst part of this, the campaigns aren't really helping. Um, ah. Both the... the I, I'm getting a little bit frustrated by both the pro and the anti or the no side campaign. And that I do think they're, I think both sides tend to overstate their case mm-hmm. um, to to probably overly um, stereotype the two sides. You get the pro side saying, well, look, if we don't have proportional representation, we won't have a democratic province, which is not really true. Um, and the anti side saying it's like your yeah, MPs won't care about citizens or won't respond to citizens, which isn't really true either. So right. there's there's a lot of hyperbole. Uh, going around the electoral reform debate, which is strange because usually I have to talk to people. When I talk about electoral reform, I usually have to convince people that this matters and and will change things. And now I'm like, well, it's not going to change as like it's not going to change everything and mean the difference between democracy and non-democracy. There are oh. different electoral <clears throat> systems that can work in different democracies and they deliver different kinds of things. Um, perhaps to segue into the systems, I don't know if this is where you want to go, but. Um, I don't know if we should go there quite yet. Okay, but, but if you want to give it a shot, let's well, see. Well, maybe this is very general. Okay, when you talk about electoral systems, I talk about the fact that there's always trade-offs. Um, there is no perfect electoral system, and depending uh, on what you want out of your democracy, you're going to prefer different um, different types of electoral systems. Now, one of the reasons I think the systems that we'll talk about later have gotten a bit more complicated is that the BC government has tried to escape a number of trade-offs. And you can do that, but the more you try to escape some of these trade-offs, say between um, regional representation and proportional representation, the more complicated you make the system. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why I think um, once we get into the, or when people are kind of getting into the details of the three systems on the ballot, I, I get the sense that some people are getting overwhelmed because these were systems that were designed to escape a couple of key trade-offs and do so a bit, but as a result, make things a bit more complicated. Yeah, it's, I don't know, like I just got my my uh, thing yesterday, the kit, and I just read through types and I was like, I, what? It's just confusing, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and then, <clears throat> like I said, I'm seeing all these articles on my little newsfeed thing, right? And here's some of the titles, like, any option better than the status quo. So that guy kind of seems like, hey, yeah, go for it. But the beginning of his article, he's basically saying this is done terribly. And then, he, <laughs> but then I guess he goes into that. And then there's vote no in NDP's badly flawed electoral reform referendum, slippery slope or scary story. Um, so that's kind of the two sides of the debate. Um, construction group, again, tries to halt BC's electoral reform. I'm like, what's that about now? Then there's a misleading start. Confusion surrounds the ballots that are that are arriving at homes. Um, the yes side won the first week of the pro rep referendum. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Um, there's a little fair about the NDP thing um, reform. 
and concerns raised about discarded proportional repre- representation ballots. That interested me too. I'd never even thought of that. Um, but one thing you said right away with that, how both sides are going almost too far to say like, this is better, this is better. It seems like there is this kind of hysteria of, of this is it. This is our chance to change <laughs> the province. Like it's, It's nice to hear you say that it's it's not going to yeah. – however it goes, we're going to yeah. be okay, I mean, basically. Yeah, I mean, things will be different <clears throat> if we end up with a different electoral system. I don't want to understate it either. Right. Um, but it'll like, – BC will still be a functioning democracy. Um, it'll just be a different type of democracy. Mm-hmm. And it'll be – and I don't mean to say – like, you'll get outcomes that are different. Um, and so, for example, if under first-past-the-post systems, it's fairly common to have majority governments. We don't have one right now, but – that I mean, and we do get minority governments in first past the post systems, but they tend to be the exception. They tend to be the less likely outcome. That'll change under proportional representation, and and there are there are things that are different when you have majority and minority governments. Majority governments, you know which government's in power. Right. Um, to to draw kind of an example from the federal government, when something hap- when the federal government does something, you know it's the Liberal Party under Justin Trudeau that's responsible for it. Um. Now well, that we now that we have a minority in British Columbia, I mean, if the NDP does something, they can say, "Well, you know, we would have done something slightly different, but we needed the green support, and we had to change." And and you're never quite sure if that's actually true or not, right? Whether it's a certain policy is responsible of the Greens or the or the NDP. So that's one side of it. But on the other side, um, kind of with proportional systems and more minority governments or coalition governments, um, there are more people that voted for the Greens and NDP. Um, then voted for the BC Liberals. Mm-hmm. And the Justin Trudeau government didn't get more than 50% of the vote, whereas John Horgan and, and Andrew Weaver, between the two of them, did manage to get 50% of the vote. So you have more people represented in the governing coalition. So this is part of what I'm saying. It's like different types of democracy, right? Yeah. Like, do you value having a really clear government where you know who's in charge and you can kick them out? Or do you want a system that means you have um, a government that represents a larger portion of the population? And you, you can't have both. Um, so it, it, it's both are democratic and, and both are, are legitimate and reasonable systems to have, but they're going to produce slightly different outcomes and they preference slightly different approaches to representation and democracy. Well, it's interesting even just with how this referendum is happening, right? It's like everyone's it's NDP, you're doing this NDP, but it's like how much is to please the Greens with how they're doing it too? Yeah. Right? Like how you said, you don't know when it's a majority government. It's like, well, they're doing this, right? Yeah. So, like, even here's an example of, and it would just get more complicated, yeah. I'm guessing. My sense is that the NDP wants this, that both the Greens yeah. and the NDP favor this. Um, the Greens, obviously. They're, they're, they're a party that gets hurt by first past the post because right. they win they win votes across the province. But in first past the post, you need to win votes in particular ridings to win. Yeah. And the Greens... Ten, I mean, they do now in three ridings in Victoria or in the Vancouver, or on Vancouver Island, um, but their vote tends to be. I mean, their vote tends to be spread out so much that they tend to get hurt by first past the post. So right. they've got an obvious incentive. Oh yeah, but it, but I just mean like that. Who's doing what? Yeah, you know, like when they're saying like the one like uh, there's nothing fair about this. Like in an article, right? There's nothing fair about this. The NDPs. It's like. Yeah, well, I mean, is it the NDP? Is it the Green? Like, like who's like you're saying who's to blame for something? Like, it's like who's really in charge of this? Yeah, we don't. Yeah, and, exactly. and I mean, 
the issue with minority and, and coalition governments, and, and they're two slightly different things, but the, the, um, the dynamic here is pretty much the same. Um, when parties have to cooperate, I mean, you get cooperation, which is good in and of itself, um, but you also have, it's harder to sort out who's responsible for what. Right. Okay. So <clears throat> we dived in pretty quick there because yeah. <laughs> I, I was reading through things just before you got here and I was getting all excited. I'm just like, oh my gosh, I don't even know where to, where to start. And I still really don't, but maybe we can just do a little bit of a recap um, of what's happened to where we are now. From when we talked last time to the government putting the referendum and the questions in place and stuff and to where we are now with the ballots coming out. And then after that, then we'll get into what's on the ballot because like or not, however they've done it, this is where we are. Yeah. So let's get into that first. So when we were, when we talked before the, the government was still, I mean, they had done a number of consultations. They reached out to British Columbians um, and run surveys, got submissions from a number of people and a number of interested organizations, and they were analyzing a lot of that data and trying to figure out what exactly is going to be on the ballot and what's this referendum going to look like. The, the problem, we can talk about the difference between first-past-the-post and proportional representation, but proportional representation isn't really an electoral system. It's a family of different electoral systems. Right, but so many people don't know that. Exactly, yeah. And, and so you can't just say, we're going to have first-past-the-post or proportional representation because the next question becomes, well, if we have proportional representation, what kind of proportional representation um, is it going to be? And, and so that's where the, the BC government was essentially there when we last talked without trying to figure out what type of systems they're going to they're gonna put to British Columbians. And um, they reported, kind of, they ended up reporting back and they said, I think it was mid, middle of the summer, um, it, was, it must have been May or June because I remember I was teaching a class at the time. And um, they, they came up with these three different systems. And they said, first off, we're going to have two votes. So we're going to have first a vote on first past the post versus proportional representation. And that's probably the easier vote to, for people to get their, um, to, to wrap their heads right, around. Right, because they're just like, I'm not happy with things. Let's make a change. Yeah, yeah. And, and <clears throat> all of the proportional systems will try to kind of accomplish the same goal. Okay. In terms of ensuring that the number of seats each party has is equivalent to its vote province wide, right? Which is not something that first past the post will do, right? Um, so that's a bit of an easier decision. Then they say on the second, you get a second ballot where you rank three different systems, and that's essentially if the proportional side beats first past the post on that first ballot, what system are we going to use as the proportional system? Mm -hmm. So you have two choices: first past the post versus proportional representation, and then of the three proportional systems, which which do you prefer? And they've set that up as a ranked ballot. So you can have the one that you prefer most, the one that you prefer second most, and the one that you prefer at least. And, and it gives kind of voters two sets of choices, which is probably valuable given that, um, given the complexity of this and given that there are really two questions here. Okay, so before we get into the ballot and those things, do you think that with, because it, it seems like a little bit of a complicated ballot. Yes. Do you think the time that they've given and the information they've given is, I mean, it's out there a lot. So we're hearing a lot about yeah. it, or I am, even though I'm not reading all the articles, I'm reading the headlines. I think it's impossible to, <laughs> it right? freaks like, me out, but <clears throat> it seems like it's all over the map. And like you said, each side's like just, there doesn't seem to be very many people in the middle. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, or maybe they're not the ones you hear from. Part of the problem is, is the, I mean, there is no real middle in the sense that you either have to, like, like when it comes yeah. to voting, you have to vote for either first past the post or proportional representation. There's yeah. no, there's no kind of third middle option. Um, and it's kind of impossible to have one. This is kind well, of an either or choice. Well, but, but I mean, like, in the middle, in the sense of like, like when I first heard about first past the post, I was like, that doesn't seem like it's right. Mm. And then I hear about these other ones and I'm like, well, that, some of those don't seem right either. So it's like, I feel like it maybe change would be good, but it just gets scary. Yeah. Um, I think there are kind of some more balanced approaches out there. Um, I think they, and, and I got to be careful here, but but um, <laughs> I would suggest there's, there's more academic analysis on this. So okay. it, it takes a little bit more of a balanced approach. I, right. Maybe balanced is the wrong word, but more more of a nuanced approach. And you certainly have academics out there that are strongly in favor of proportional representation. Yeah. I mean, there's a few out there that are strongly in favor of first past the post. And, and I, I had a colleague used to joke that every every uh, political science uh, elections person has their own electoral system that they would prefer and wants to tell mm. you about it for an hour. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, there, there, there's some nuanced views out there. But the way the campaign has worked, and it is the nature of kind of referendum campaigns, there's an incentive to for each side to kind of overemphasize their point and to get really kind of really strongly supportive of their particular side right um, so yeah yeah this is polarized i think in a way that's a little bit more a little bit more so than i was expecting um but it's also kind of the nature of of referendums and elections especially when you have kind of two questions the people that campaign mostly are either on the yes side or the no side right and so those are the people sense. you hear most from yeah. And I guess we're probably just also not used to having a lot of referendums like this. So it seems so like, wow. Yeah. The like, B BC's had a few. Yeah. We definitely have more out here than the rest of the country does. Oh, really? Um, yeah. So we had one. Um, this was in Vancouver a couple of years ago on um, on on uh, a tran what was called the transit referendum or the right. transit meant, referendum. Yeah. Um, where you had – it was a vote over whether to increase the sales tax by a small amount to fund – a number of public transit and infrastructure expansions. And then about five or six years ago, it might be a little bit longer, we had a referendum over the HST. Mm -hmm. um, so we do have, we have more referendums here than the rest of the country where referendums are very, very rare. Hmm. Interesting. But this is different. <laughs> so do you think they've done like a, as good a job as they could have putting this together or do you wish they did something else to get to where they are um not to put you on the spot yeah, too much yeah. or you can just avoid the question if you want um i think given the time constraints they're working with they've done the best they can yeah now the caveat there is they they, they set those time constraints so you kind of have to take that with a bit of a grain That's of a salt point. um the way this was done in the past is there was a citizens assembly um put forward which was a ran two random people from every riding in the province um, and they spent, uh, must have been a year or so, um, getting presentations from experts. I know there were, when I was at UBC, there were a couple of people on faculty there that were heavily involved in not obviously making the decision as to what the Citizens' Assembly would recommend, but bringing in experts and making presentations to the Citizens' Assembly and facilitating discussion between them. And then the Citizens' Assembly went out and they, they held public hearings. Um, the thing, that was a long process. Yeah, and, I remember you mentioned that, and it sounded like the right way to do it. But Yeah, the only thing there is you're not going to have the system ready for the next election. 
And yeah. I think where the NDP and the Green Party is nervous is if the liberals win the next election, then they could just stop the entire thing. Yeah. So if you're if you're coming into this with the belief, with with the the commitment that you're going to have a new system for the next election, then you can't do that, mm-hmm. and you're stuck with this um, more rushed process. And, and I think given that they've done the best they can to come up with systems that or come up with a process that does do some consultation and does bring different ideas in. Um, and then I think they've listened to a lot of what British Columbians want, decided that they need to try to cover all of it, and ended up with systems that are a little bit more complicated because they're trying to um, get at what a lot things that kind of a lot of British Columbians want and say are important. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> just to uh, – something I just remembered right now. I think I read somewhere that if it does change – then we get a chance in the following election to say if we're happy with it or something. Or like um, two if, elections down. Yeah, or if something I recall like correctly, that. it's two elections. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there'd be a referendum on whether to keep this, whatever system we adopted. Yeah. Um, now, can that be kiboshed too? Yeah. Like, so, so even though they're saying, like, hey, don't worry about it. If we don't like it, you can say no later, but they could just decide not to ask. So, kind of the nature of, of, parliamentary democracy in in Canada, both federally and provincially, is that these referendums can happen. And there is a strong political incentive to follow them. But at the end of the day, these things still need to be passed by the legislature. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in the same way that we could get a a referendum vote for a particular system and the legislature could do something else, they almost certainly won't because of the political backlash that will happen. They Mm -hmm. could. Um, they could decide not to follow through with a referendum um, if the legislature voted not to do a second referendum. I think it would be very unlikely yeah. um, because while the, there's kind of what can technically be done under the, the law, like uh, under Canadian law and the Canadian constitution, but then, then there's like what you can get away with politically. And if you start backing away from some of these promises and commitments, the political backlash is pretty problematic. Right. Okay. So even if in a couple elections most people were happy there'd be a bunch of people raising their you know hey wait yeah you said we'd get a <laughs> i mean well it, it depends how many people are happy with it right if 70 percent of the population i was kind of making this number up but if they were two two elections down the road saying you know we're happy with the system we don't need another referendum then you can probably get away without having another referendum right, right. um if it was more 50 50 then it'd be a bigger problem um the nature of kind of all of these kinds of political conventions is you can kind of get away with what the public's willing to let you get away with. <laughs> um, but if, if the public decides they're concerned about something, your voters decide they're, decide they're concerned about something, it's, it's harder to it's, it's harder to go back on promises and commitments that you've made. What's hard to figure out with this referendum is how the public – well, I guess I'm, I'm not following it close enough, but but how the public feels about it as opposed to how the politicians are saying everyone feels about it. Yeah, and, and I mean, <clears throat> some of this is the poll. Like, there isn't a lot of polling on this. I've seen one which suggests there's a third of the population in favor of proportional representation, a third in favor of first past the post, and a third don't know. Um, <laughs> That's a pretty safe thing to say. <laughs> well, I, I mean, this was, it was a survey that was yeah. done, right? So, I mean, they, they, they get the numbers that they get. Yeah. Um, but yeah, part of this is I think that there's there's a lot of there's a lot of unsure, don't know out there, um, mm-hmm. and so it's hard to say that the public feels one way or the other. 
Um, the other thing is it's a complicated thing. And the more complicated you make an issue or the more technical an issue it is, the harder it is to tell um, where voters are. And the other thing that I should say here is that um, we, we, we often talk about voters as, you know, one monolith, like the voters speak and elected a particular government. That's not actually true, right? Voters, there are a lot of voters out there that think a lot of different and often contradictory things for mm-hmm. a lot of different and contradictory reasons. So, I mean, there are some voters out there that believe pretty much everything on the referendum and it becomes hard to get a handle on kind of what has majority support or what has kind of plurality of, of support. And, and that makes that makes kind of telling what voters think um, um, a lot harder. I, I have a line where it's like when the voters speak, the sound is incomprehensible because it's actually <laughs> four million people speaking and saying slightly different things. Yeah, well, that's true. Like, I, I was talking to two friends and one, I think he's just kind of open to whatever. And the other one was like, I guess he says he follows politics a lot. Mm. And he's like, I've always voted. Um, it's that one way of, of voting when you're not voting for <laughs> for something. Like you're voting opposite just so that that outcome strategically is... Strategically voting? Yeah, yeah. Strategic, strategic. So he's like, I've always voted that. I'm tired of doing it. He goes, I want to change. So I'm going to just, no matter what, yeah. I'm going that way. And it was interesting to me because he was just so... And <laughs> that was another thing he said too. I said, well, a lot of stuff I've been reading is this. He goes, well, it depends where you get news from, which is a good point. But also, you should believe a little bit of everything. Yeah, and I mean, there are news sources that are credible and ones that aren't, right? (laughs) It's, I don't know, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. Um, Okay, so, where are we at now? I don't know if we should get into the ballot first. I had one question. Ah, I don't remember it. Okay. Was there any of these topics, like of the things I read here, that popped out to you that you wanted to? None that really address? jumped out beyond the, the broad kind of. This is like, like you have to take these things with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and what what I've been telling people there there are kernels of truth to a lot of what people are saying on both the pro and the anti side, but sometimes they push it a little. They push it beyond what I would suggest evidence or the evidence that I've seen would support. Right. Okay. So one one thing I was going to leave this to the end, but I just just do it now, so I don't forget it. Um, the thing about the discarded ballots. I mean, it's a mail in ballot, right? Yeah. So so you, you send these things out, and you have no control over what people do with them, right? When they have them, um, because there's no there's nothing. Well, I haven't looked at it fully yet, but I don't know if there's anywhere you have to put any super information that only you would have on you. Um. My. Oh no! You have to enter your date of birth. So, like, yeah. If you know, hmm. So well, it must be a concern if it's a concern. <laughs> um. So the uh, I think the discarded ballots is just the thing. Like, if some people just throw these things in the recycle, there's yeah. nothing you can do about that, right? Like, yeah. this isn't the difference between a mail-in ballot and being able to do a vote at a like a proper polling station. So the polling station, you control all the ballots, right? So yeah. you can, like, there, there was a party in a federal election years and years ago, it must have been five, ten years ago, um, they were called the Ballot Eater Party. And they wanted to take their ballots, <laughs> blend them up, and, and drink them as milkshakes. I'm not entirely <laughs> sure why. Um, but you're not allowed to do that. 
Um, because as one of my friends put it, um, how do you know that, you know, you lost a ballot at the polling station because it was a ballot eater and somebody wasn't just kind of taking green or NDP or liberal votes out of yeah. the, out of the, out of the voting pattern. Um, <laughs> so you can do that in a polling station, right? You can say, look, if you have your ballot, you need to fill it out or do something to it before you put it in the ballot box. I mean, mm. you, can put a, you can put it in empty, but you can't destroy it. Right, right. Um, whereas you send these things out to people, you have no control of what they do with them. Yeah. Um, like, like. You could have, I mean, you could, you could give your ballot to somebody else. I mean, like, like if you had a friend come over and mark your ballot and then filled, I mean, that wouldn't well, be legal, but there's nothing you can do to like, there's nothing you can do to, to monitor people, what people are doing with these things. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to live with that. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I suspect it's not going to be a huge problem. Um, the discarded ballots could be like that, that. That'll be an issue with turnout. But I mean, yeah. the same thing exists with polling stations, right? Some people just don't show up to the polling station. I would say the people who like, like throwing your ballot in the recycle is kind of the same thing. I I, I didn't read it all, but I, I felt like they were trying to say like someone could use this, you know, if they knew the couple of things information, and then yeah, it would be. I mean, if, but. If, but but you kind of have to think about kind of what you'd have to do to be to able get, to do that. right yeah, right yeah, yeah. so you you'd have to be going through somebody's recycle um and find their ballot so you would need to know when they threw it away and you would know, need to know who that person is right because you need to put information that that says who that person is so this concern um, could just be kind of like another thing wrong with the yeah it's, yeah it, 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 it's, it's kind of that. like voter fraud right where everybody like talks it's possible if somebody did xyz but but like Nobody does it, <laughs> and 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 perhaps more importantly, not enough people do it to influence influence the result. Right, right. Okay, okay. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. See, there's that that bringing it down to like a normal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's like yes, this could possibly happen in one or two cases, but the chances of this actually mattering are pretty much nothing. Interesting. It's the same as like if somebody just miscounts a ballot, which could happen, right? Yeah. Like. It's it's wild how the press just so gets in your head. Yeah, it, it, it's like a sensationalist story, right? Yeah. Like, well, yeah, it's the first thing like I, I just ran across. And I was like, oh, never thought of that. Oh my gosh, yeah, mail in. Oh, this is bad. This isn't good. And yeah, then I mean, how many people are going to dumpster dive for ballots and then be able to link them up to <laughs> the people who threw them away? Right? Like, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, chill out, Cam. Chill out. Okay, well, maybe uh, let's get into, since I can't remember that other question I wanted to ask, um, anything you want to say first before we get into the ballot and the types of No, no, I think we can go systems. straight in, yeah. Because, <clears throat> yeah, I think, like, we could talk for a while about how this is, how we got to this place, but we're here, the referendum's happening, ballots are coming out. And I just read through the different kinds, and yeah, it's a little confusing. It's really shocking that there's a type of system on here that's never been used. Yeah, I mean, it it, it was surprising. Um, But one, one one thing that's worth remembering as we talk about this is that most systems that you, most countries that use proportional representation are significantly smaller geographically, not just in Canada, but also smaller than British Columbia. Um, and they're the ones that are as big as British Columbia have a lot more people in them. So there are some unique things to BC that you have to do with proportional representation to kind of compensate for that. 
Um, the line that I've been telling people is, is one of the systems they've got on is essentially the German system. The thing about you need to know about Germany, so Germany has 80 million people in it. British mm-hmm. Columbia has 4.5, and British Columbia is three times the size of Germany. So you need, like, there needs to be some maneuvering here to make these systems that are, are often used in much smaller countries um, or more, pop, more um, countries with more population density yeah. um, than British Columbia has. And that would be, because then that's the drawing the lines part thing, right? Or- Partially, yeah. But it, it also speaks to regional representation and how you get regional representation in a legislature that's a lot smaller um, than what you might see in a country like Germany. I mean, British Columbia, have 87 MLAs. Germany is close to 700. Um, <laughs> and then this reflects, is the different, reflects the difference in population size. Um, and it's easier. The more MLAs or the more, more members of parliament you have, the easier it is to get proportional. Okay. Anyway. Here we go. Should, yeah, Here we yeah, go. Yeah, okay. Get into the- okay. So how do you want to go through this? What do you think the... So first past the post, that's the first one on there. Yeah. We know yeah. what that we're, is. We, yeah, and I think we talked about it last time. So we're, yeah. yeah, so we know what that is. It's interesting how they say at the end of these things, um, who uses it. Um, at, the, at the very last one, it's funny because uh, it's the only one that says results are generally proportional. Yes. So <laughs> all the other ones, it doesn't say anything about results. <laughs> yeah, um, that's because, yeah, because there is... There's like you, you can make things somewhat proportional, or you can make yeah. things really proportional, or yeah. you can have first past the post, which doesn't make any effort to make things proportional. Right. But there is a degree of proportionality that you can get, and yeah. no no system ever is going to be perfectly proportional, right? Yeah. You, you have situ if you have eighty, or even if you have say hundred seats, the math's easier with a hundred. Um, I, I just thought it was like a little bit of a little yeah marketing tool for the Perhaps, last but, one but that it, you it, read. It says it's also an important I think piece of information because yeah. that, that is true. But um, that the, is not as proportional as the other two systems. The, what's that? The, the, the rural urban, the rural urban proportional won't be as proportional as the other two systems. Oh, it won't. No, because that's the one that they says results are generally proportional, and that's why they say generally instead of it. it, it I think they're getting at it's generally proportional, but it's not going to be as exact as the other two systems. Oh. Okay, so let's go through them. All right, here. This is how they have them on the ballot. So right. first past post. So dual members next. Would it be, yeah, dude? Would it be want. problematic if we start with mixed member proportional? It's probably no, it's the easiest place to start. Okay, so that's in the middle. That's the yeah. middle one on the ballot. Yeah, often abbreviated to MMP. If you're kind of listening to to people right. talk about this, okay. Um, Let's start there. This is this is often referred to as the German system. It's the system used in Germany. Um, it's also used in other countries. Uh, New Zealand um, it says Scotland here too. Uh, yeah, Scotland, but that's, yeah, Scotland for regional elections in Scotland, but obviously not for um, national elections in the UK. But the idea behind this system is to essentially still have first-past-the-post seats elected in the same way as first-past-the-post, but then to compensate parties that are disproportionately represented. So... To do this, and if we're going to keep the, the number of seats the same, we need to make districts larger. We're still going to have districts like under or ridings, like like under first past the post. Right. Um, but we're probably going to need to combine ridings together. Um, and usually the way that I model this out, I imagine a world in which you combine kind of two ridings together in most parts of the province. So we're going to have less. 
Yeah, fewer, fewer ridings. Fewer ridings. Okay. Um, and then you add what are called list seats. So each party comes up with a list of members. Um, there are different ways of choosing those members, which we can get into a little bit later. And the parties that are underrepresented when all the first past the votes or past the post votes are counted get extra seats until they're represented in proportion to their, and this is where things get complicated, either province-wide or region-wide vote share. Easiest to kind of think about this in a province-wide context first. So imagine, say, the Green Party. We have, when we count all the first past the post ballots, the Green Party win 5% of the seats. But when we count all the ballots for the Green Party province-wide, they have 10% of the vote. Well, we have a problem here, right? right? Or we have a problem for proportionality. They don't have as many seats as their share of the vote would suggest. So we would add list seats to the Green Party until their total seat share in the legislature equaled the 10% that um, that their province-wide vote justified. Oh, I think I, think I get that. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> you can do this... <laughs> province-wide or you can do this regionally doing this regionally involves essentially rather than going well the green party won 10 percent of the vote province-wide and five percent of the seats province or in, in first past the post districts they'll look at a particular region so they'll go um they'll look at say vancouver island and they'll say well the green party won five percent of the seats on vancouver island but they won 10 percent of the vote on vancouver island so they get list seats off the Green Party's, under this system, Vancouver Island list until they have 10% of the seats on Vancouver Island. Okay, so then that makes it better for those areas because they have representation in those areas. Yeah, essentially getting, instead of getting a list MP that just is from the province, um, you get a list MP that is from your region. Um, so it's a little bit closer to you. Which makes sense because you're, you're probably kind of wanting people in your region to yeah. win. And, so. and this, this is what Germany does, where rather than, like, like the German party, let's say the SPD, they, they, when it comes to getting extra seats, they don't get extra seats based on their share of the vote across all of Germany. They get the extra seats based on their share of the vote in a particular a state or a land in Germany. Okay. Um, now, there's a problem with this for British Columbia. And the problem is <laughs> Northern BC. Okay. Um, because the ridings in Northern BC are already huge. Um, I was doing this for a, for a blog post I did on this, and I was looking at what would happen if you combine two of the smaller ridings in um, in Northern British Columbia. And this is Prince George Vale Mount and Prince George Mackenzie. Well, those are two separate ridings now. If you made them one, you'd have Vale Mount on one side of the riding and Mackenzie on the other. I looked at Google Maps. It's a five-hour drive between Vale Mount and Mackenzie, and it's a 470-kilometer drive. So the riding would be huge. And those are two small ridings in northern British Columbia, or, or small relative to the rest of northern British Columbia. Yeah. Um, this is and, and what you're saying is small population-wise. No, small yeah. ge geographically. They're small compared to the other ridings that are... Oh. Yeah. So this is no problem in, like, Victoria or Vancouver, or even really on Vancouver Island, right? Because... I mean, you combine two ridings together, you'll still be able to bus across them in 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, it's a problem when you get ridings that are have to be so big to get, like, the same number of people in them as you would get in Vancouver or in, in Victoria. Okay, right, yeah. Um, the problem – and so because the government doesn't want to add any more or very many more um, people to the legislature, if you're going to add list seats to a region, you have to combine two ridings, Right. 
you've got two options here. Either you can keep all of the writings that exist and add a bunch of list seats and have a bunch of extra MLAs, which the government does not want to do and which is not on the ballot. Or you can combine writings together to make space for list seats, which keeps the number of MLAs the same. Not a problem if you've got a densely packed population in Vancouver or Victoria. Possibly a, or probably an issue if you're in northern British Columbia and the population's already spread out over a huge territory. Oh, man, this is so confusing. This is so, like, yeah, no wonder yeah. you're saying it gets so complicated quickly. Like, I... I, <laughs> I should also say, <laughs> if you allocate seats province-wide, this isn't a problem. Okay. Um, because you can just combine ridings in... Um, in Vancouver and Victoria and keep the ridings in northern BC the same. And adding the list seats province-wide will compensate for any disproportionality in any part of the province. As soon as you start allocating list seats in regions, that's where the problem starts. Um, because you're no longer just looking at province-wide vote share. You're looking at regional vote share. And, well, that's one of the things that I think I kept coming across, too, is that even if we choose one of these systems... There's a lot of details that we don't know yes. how they're going to implement them, yep. which depending on how they were to implement them, people like you who knew what that meant <laughs> might vote for different systems Yeah, based on what how they were going to use them properly. Where for, for me, it's – I'm just trying to figure out the difference. Blah. Yeah, and, and I think actually – so mixed member proportional is normally one of the easier systems to understand and one of, one of the simpler systems. The decision that the government's made to do this <laughs> normally, on, yeah, <laughs> but but it's, it's the decision that the government's made to make this re, to to talk about regional list seats instead of province wide list seats. It's made it so complicated, and it's raised some of these issues. If if the government had just turned around and said we're going to allocate seats based on province wide vote share and there'll be province wide seats, this wouldn't be a problem. Okay. It's because they've said we're going to have seats, list seats from Vancouver Island and list seats from Vancouver and so the interior. And I'm not sure how they're splitting up the interior. That's where this becomes potentially problematic. But when you first mentioned that, it sounded like that might be a good idea. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> to my brain. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this gets us into this regional versus proportionality trade-off. Um, it does create better regional representation. Um, the flip side of this, though, is that the more list seats you add to a particular block of votes, the more proportional you can be. Part of this is a rounding issue, right? Like if you only have 10 seats, what happens if a party wins 45% of the vote? You can't give the party 0.5 seats. Right. You have to either give them four or five. It's easier to do when you have 87 seats, right? Or 100 yeah. seats. Then yeah. you can give them 47% of the seats or 45% of the seats. Um, if you go province-wide, you have a large number of seats. So it's easy to get fairly narrow proportionality. I mean, you still have to have, like, like you still can't get within 0.5, but you can get reasonably close. Okay. Um, <laughs> Go on. The, the regions <laughs> have fewer seats, so it's right. harder to get exactly proportional. Um, perhaps to make this, let's pretend that, again, to make the math easy, um, let's pretend that British Columbia has 100 seats. Okay. If the party wins 45% of the vote, you can give them 45 seats. Right. If we do this now on Vancouver Island, and again, to make the math easy, let's pretend Vancouver Island has 10 seats. If a party wins 45% of the vote, you can't give them 4.5 seats. You have to give them either 4 or 5. Which is important. Yeah, it, it makes it slightly more disproportional. Yeah. So when you do the proportionality at the regional level, 
each of these regions is going to be slightly more disproportional. And maybe that adds up to proportionality across the province. It'll be more proportional than first past the post, but maybe not. It depends on the way those kind of those rounding decisions end up um, being made in each of the different regions. But looking at it first from like from my simplified view, I would be like, oh, well, that makes more sense. Where from a detailed view, it's like, well, hold on. That could make it more complicated. Yeah. So it definitely does. Makes, yeah. It definitely makes things more complicated, which is not necessarily a problem. Okay. Um, voters are still going to know what to do in the in, in the voting booth. I mean, voters in Germany and voters right. in New Zealand aren't confused when they have to when they have to mark a ballot. Okay. Um, it does make the counting a little bit more difficult. Um, in terms of making sense, I mean, it depends what you want. If you want more regional representation and are able are willing to give up a little bit of proportionality to get it then that makes sense. If you're really sold on proportional representation to this to the point where, you know, um, you want the parties to have exactly the same vote share as they have seat share or as close as possible, then it might make less sense. Um, so it really depends on how you're trading off proportionality and regional representation. Mm-hmm. And again, I should say, you'll still get a more proportional result under either of these models than under first past the post. Okay. But... Doing this by region will get you less proportional than doing it by province-wide. Okay. Okay. So, right. These are confusing. Well, that was confusing. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> but, but it's, okay. So, mixed member, um, either, like, they're doing, the way you've mentioned it before, the pro- provincial, which it's usually done, um, and they're saying doing regional, you're saying even though they're doing that, it makes it more complicated. It's still yeah. going to be more proportional than for yes. the best post. Yes. Okay. So it's still, no, one thing I want to do with each of these two is talk about what it looks like on the ballot when, if that system were in play, like when now we're going to the voting booth and we're doing mixed member. Yeah. You're probably not going to like this, but. Um, <laughs> I remember are, you mentioning some of them and yeah. I was like, holy cow. I was like. So there are three possible ballots under mixed member proportional. Oh, great. So great. The, <laughs> the simplest ballot it looks exactly the same as under first past the post. Okay. Um and you vote for a candidate with a party name beside it and that vote counts for both that candidate and the party. Okay. And we get the vote share for the candidate in the riding by looking at that vote and we get the vote share for the party province wide by essentially tallying up all the votes for that party in every in every district. Okay. Sim- or, or simple. Or or, or at the regional level, you do it for every vote in the region, but it's, yeah. Okay. Um, the second simplest system is you have a vote for a candidate and a vote for a party. Um, so you could choose, you vote for the candidate okay. in your riding that you like. They're usually going to have a party. They're almost, they're usually going to have a party affiliation, but they don't have to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you vote for the party you prefer. Um, and when it comes to determining who wins that first past the post seat, the district or the riding, um, that's the vote that you cast for um the the individual okay and then when it comes to determining the province-wide or the region-wide vote share your vote for the party counts okay so if (laughs) so the region if you if you pick like a certain party for the region when they're adding other seats yeah that would go to that party they, well, it was different look, than yeah, the candidate. They would look at the vote share when they're figuring out what the regional vote share of the party is and therefore how many seats they need to add to the party. Mm-hmm. They would look at that second vote. Okay. 
Okay. Well, that seems like a good it's thing. It's fairly simple, yeah. Okay. Um, the third is a little bit more complicated. You vote for your local candidate. You vote for the party. And then for the party you vote for, you also get a list of candidates. This is what's called an open list system. Okay. Um, and you in, you get to vote in addition to voting for the party, kind of you like region-wide or province-wide. You vote for a candidate that you want to be higher on the list for that party. If they got that regional exactly. percent. So the way that the second ballot would work when we're deciding who to add those list seats, you would just mm -hmm. add whoever the party wanted. So this, this, okay. Under this system, voters would have a say over who's kind of higher up on the party list and therefore who gets added when a party needs extra seats. Well, it doesn't seem that bad either. No, I mean, it, it's it's not... It's not overly complicated. It's just, like, it's just more work for the person voting. Yeah. Um, and you probably you need to start figuring out things about a number of different candidates from the same party, which yeah. is a little bit more work in terms of information. But, right. Yeah. Then you got people going against their own people. Yeah. <laughs> which gives them actually a little bit more incentive to be responsive to um, voters. Hmm. Okay. Well, those are all doable, I guess. Yeah. They're it, not... Nothing, scary yeah nothing here is going to be like impossible for voters to right. to, to do it there are, there are a number of countries with open list systems that seem to function fine um there are a number of countries with and, and voters seem to know what they're doing and op um, open list you mean by the they, they, they get to choose who's on they have that kind of extra vote for who's oh, okay. up on the party list um with the names is open list with yeah. the names okay. yeah um and then there are both new zealand and germany have kind of you vote for the candidate and the party you like. Voters also seem to manage to do that okay. So it's mm -hmm. not, nothing here is going to be impossible for voters to do. Okay. So let's, we're done with mixed member, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, so, is... so can you do like a, just a final umbrella of it without the super detail? Yeah. Just... So the, the big idea behind mixed member proportionalist, perhaps a good segue, um, is you get, a bunch of members elected in ridings. Okay. And to compensate for the disproportionality, parties are, or seats are added to parties based off a party list. Based off party list. And that's by percent of... Percent of either the regional vote or the province-wide vote. And looking at the, the um, elections BC handed, I'm actually not entirely sure. So this is funny. I'm like, do an umbrella and then I want details again. Yeah. I mean, part of... <laughs> So part of the issue with this system <clears throat> is this hasn't been they, – they say in this handout, based off province-wide vote share, but they also talk about regional seats and, and regional list seats. And that doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, it says they're elected from a party list so that each party's share of seats in the legislature roughly matches its share of the province-wide popular vote. Party lead needs at least 5% of the vote to get any regional seats. This is the issue. Regional seats and province-wide vote share. Oh. And not See, that's the thing that scares me the most with all this is like, you're voting for... You're voting for... And see, okay, I'm reading this. I'm just trying to understand it, and I don't really. And you're reading it going, well, it's hard to understand because it doesn't make... They're not giving it, enough information. Well... Conflicting. Two, yeah, it's kind of conflicting. And, and I don't mean if they mean roughly province-wide vote share, which means they're not actually going to look at province-wide vote when they allocate list seats, 
or if they're going to have some way of looking at province-wide vote share. And then once they've allocated the number of list seats to each party, figuring out which regions those list seats go into. Um, Both, I think, are possible interpretations of that. Um, And I'm a little confused as to which one they're going with. Um, And it's actually important because it determines how proportional the system will be. Hmm. Um, Interesting. I would have liked to see that clarified. However, I think this is a problem that's unique to mixed member proportional. I don't think the other two systems have this confusion. Okay. Okay. Well, let's talk about another one then. Rural, urban, or dual member? Let's go to dual member. Dual member. So this Um, is the one, the first one on the ballot, or no, the second one after uh, first past the post. And this is the one that that hasn't been used anywhere. Yes. What? Yeah. <laughs> um, this this system, I think, the, the merit that it has going for it is it gets us out of this regional versus proportional system, which most countries don't have to deal with. So there's no real need for it um, in most countries. But British Columbia, again, we're talking about a much smaller population over a much larger area. Okay. So the concerns that it deals with become a lot more important here in British Columbia than in a lot of other countries that use proportional systems. Now, the principle behind this is fairly similar to that broad principle for mixed member proportional. We're going to break the, the, the province into, into ridings like under first past the post, but we're going to make them bigger. And we're going to have some members elected like they are under first past the post, and we're going to add seats to each party um, to make sure that they're proportionally represented. Unlike mixed member proportional, in this system, we're not going to add extra members off a party list. We're going to have second members elected in each each ride-in, and we'll add second members to make each system more proportional. So let's take... Let's take that last model with the Green Party. They win 10% of the ridings. They win, or sorry, 5% of the ridings and win 10% of the vote. They need, and again, let's pretend that there's 100 seats in British Columbia because math is easier. Um, So they need five extra seats to get to 10 seats. Rather than going to a Green Party list and saying we're going to take the first five names off the list, we're going to look at um, the ridings in which the Greens lost but did the best. Okay. And and we'll also look at the ridings where the Greens did really, really well, and we're going to cut that vote share in half, and we're also going to count that for their second candidate. Um, the Green candidate, the five Green candidates with the highest vote share, will get their second seat to get them to 10. So you would have two MPs from your riding, one who you voted for um, in the same way you vote for as first past the post, and one that's added um to try to make it more proportional for a part this isn't getting better for me yeah <laughs> yeah okay I, okay let's i'm gonna <laughs> so it might be worth breaking it down into two processes okay so let's go so we have the need to allocate seats to a party how about uh, let's start with the ballot thing okay okay yeah like what a ballot would for this type of system would work with or look like because i think that'll help me a little bit understand it Okay, so the ballot looks almost exactly the same as under first past the post. You get a name and a candidate, or sorry, a candidate and a party, except rather than having one name, you have two. So each party, so rather than just nominating, say, Jane Smith for the NDP on a ballot, you'd have Jane Smith and John Smith. Okay. And they would specify which candidate's the first candidate and which candidate's the second candidate. 
Okay. And you would vote for, rather than one candidate as you do under first past the post, you would vote for a combination of two candidates. Oh. And you'd, like, like you'd have to pick this, like, like you couldn't split between the parties. So if the NDP have Jane Smith and John Smith on the ballot, you have to vote for Jane Smith and John Smith. You can't vote for Jane Smith and then somebody else from the Green Party. Say that again. Um, you can't split your like, like you have to vote for two candidates from the same party. From the same party. Yeah. Why? Because, <laughs> um, the way that the system, what you're really doing, is voting for a party. Yeah. Okay. And 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 the first candidate is just somebody who'd be elected in your riding, and the second candidate only gets elected if the party needs that extra seat to get to proportionality. Okay, so you're not saying, you're not like numbering Jane Smith or John Smith, which, what your preference no, is. No, You're just, so what's the point of having them both there? It gives them, because if the NDP ends up needing an extra proportional seat, let's say John Smith is the second candidate, John Smith can be elected from that riding as well to make the final result more proportional. But if you're going to, check one of them you have to check the other one yeah you, so isn't just checking one saying you're checking the other anyways? yeah that is the ballot would you'd only you'd only have one like box to check so it'd be a box beside jane and john smith for oh. the ndp like okay yeah okay that makes more sense yeah sorry that was that's okay confused. yeah that's okay so so you're choosing two but again like why bother putting two on there just be like i'm going with jane smith and the and then well it, it tells you that if the NDP need another seat that's to get to proportionality, is. yeah, that's who it is. So that could sway someone if they don't like the second person? Or? Yeah, it could. I mean, if you were... I'm just trying to see the point. If you were voting based on, on individual, yeah, that might... Um, realistically, you're probably voting for a party in this system. Hmm. Okay, so now break it down with... Yeah, because looking at how that how you'd vote for that, I'm like, what's the big deal? What's the difference? Why? Okay, so, so <laughs> let's say let's say the NDP. Let's do the NDP because um, I'm just using them on the ballot. Um, let's say the NDP wins again. Let's let's use our hundred seat model because it's again easy math. Okay. Um, but let's say the NDP wins forty percent of the vote and thirty five first past the post seats. Well, now the NDP needs five extra seats. So this is where these second seats come in. Um, we need to find five second members that will be elected, that will be added to the legislature. So the NDP goes from their 35 seats under the first-past-the-post system to the 40% they get. They should get based on the province-wide share of the vote. Okay. We're going to take every NDP candidate that lost and order them from highest vote to lowest vote. We're then going to take every second NDP candidate in rise at the NDP won, we're going to cut that vote share in half and slip them into the order as well. Um, we don't, we want to, we want to try not to give parties two seats in the same ridings under the system. But if a party really wins a riding by a lot, they can get two seats. Um, so we've got now this order of candidates and we know now that the NDP needs five extra seats. The first five names on that order would be elected as the five extra NDP seats. Basically, the more votes you get, if you're a losing candidate, the more likely it is you're going to win the second seat in a particular riding if your party needs the extra seat 
to get to proportionality or proportional representation. Oh boy. <laughs> I don't know if it's just my brain today. It's or not or if it's just it, it's, uh. it's not an easy system to explain, especially not again. Some of these systems don't do very well on the radio or right, on like, podcasts. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember you saying that video. Um Okay. But if I can give a kind of one sentence here. Yeah. And I hope this might help. Um, basically, rather than using a party list for those extra seats, we're giving the seats to the best losers. Okay. That helps a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so if the NDP comes really, they come really close in Vancouver Point Grey, say, which I yeah. realize they have now, but it works for the example. Yeah. But they end up losing the seat, but they need three extra seats to get to proportionality. The person who lost in Vancouver Point Grey gets the extra seat. Get okay. to get the, the second seat in Vancouver Point Grey, and they get closer to a proportional result. Okay. Okay. So let's try this too. I'm going to read like a little bit of what they've written here. Okay. And maybe ex- like explain that sentence kind of thing. All right. Because that's what people are going to be looking at as well, right? So dual member pr- proportional. Most electoral districts are combined with a neighboring district and have two MLAs. Yeah. So... If we're going to so have, that's what you're saying with with the two names on the thing. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Combined neighboring districts, so that's we would get fewer districts. Yes, that's what you said. Again, large rural districts continue to have one MLA. What? Yeah. So I mean, this, this gets us to the, the, the <laughs> northern, the, the, the Prince George Vale Mountain, Prince George Mackenzie problem, right? You're not going to combine districts that um, because of the amount. Yeah, is they'd be too too large. Okay. Yeah. In two ML, bleh, in two MLA district uh, districts, parties have one or two candidates on the ballots. So they say one or two. Yeah, a party could only have one, and if they needed, it, if they were eligible for two seats from that district, they just wouldn't get the extra seat. Which is probably not a good thing to do. No, it doesn't sound like it. it most, sounds party, like you're just most parties are going to not giving it two. away. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Voters vote for a candidate or pair of candidates by marking the ballot once. Okay, that makes sense. The first seat in a district is won by the candidate with the most votes. Okay, yeah. And the second seat goes to the parties so that each party's share of seats in the legislature roughly matches its share of the province-wide popular vote. So that's what you're saying. That's where we're second. getting hung up, yeah. Right. Party needs at least 5% of the vote to get any second seat. So, Yeah. I think when you said it with the list thing, that's the difference. Yeah, essentially, rather than pulling, rather than pulling those extra members off a party list, we're pulling them out of writings from the second candidates. And that's the big difference between that and mixed member, then yes. too. So even if you don't have, because in mixed member, you said the ballots they were different. The list, like you check someone off, yeah. the, the third way to have the ballot. The second way is they would just choose someone. You wouldn't yeah. check it off. But there's a list for all. It's all list for. Yeah. In all, in all of these ways, there'd be a list. In all of the MMP things, there has to be a party <clears throat> list. So here's the, the, the advantage this has over a mixed member proportional. Um, you can use. Like, like, you remember how I was talking about the, the problem with region wide, regional list seats and province wide list seats? Yes. And how if you have regional list seats it can be a little bit less proportional right that's not a problem under this system because you can use province-wide vote share and every mp is still from a riding so they're from a particular region oh okay so it's not so much how 
those are voted. It's how it's split up. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So you can you can look at the Green Party and say, well, they've got ten seats and they won fifteen percent of the vote, so they need five extra seats. And you just find five ridings where they where you can give them an extra seat, and they're proportionally represented. And you still have province-wide proportionality, but you still have those MPs coming from particular ridings that correspond, obviously, to a particular region. Oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, Start- to, to get back to, to where we were at the beginning, of the, yeah. this is complicated because you're trying to get both regional representation and proportionality out of, a, out of an electoral system. And the more you try to escape that trade-off between proportionality and regional representation, the more complicated you have to make the system. Okay, let's take a second and just talk about that regional, before we get into the next one, regional versus proportional. Because I guess when I think of proportional, I just think of like, oh, everyone gets a shot kind of thing. Mm. And regional, I'm like, well, what does that have to do with it? Because I'm like, we're just... (laughs) Well, I, I mean, is that a dumb or hard question? Or no, it's not. Um, like I, I just don't know. Like, like when I first think about it, I'm like, why does that? What does that have to? So the the I I think the I'm trying to think of the easiest way to explain this. Um, <laughs> Maybe we no. should like video this one. Maybe we should have you come back and get a whiteboard and yeah, or, yeah, or have slides up for yeah, mm. perhaps. Um, but. Um, the, the trade-off here, like, the the fewer people you're electing in any given area, and this kind of gets us back to kind of basic principles, um, the harder it is to be proportional. And the obvious thing here, or the, 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 the most stark example, is first past the post. Mm-hmm. If you're electing one person in an area, there's no way you can make that proportion, right? If right. 40% of the vote people vote for one candidate and 30 vote for another. And like, there's only one seat to give out there. So you can't give 40% of the seat to, to a particular party, 30% to another and, and 30% to a third candidate. Right. Um, the more people you have in an area, the more, the easier it is to make the proportional, right? If you have 10 people elected in a particular area, well, then you can start saying, well, if one party wins 40% of the vote, they can get four seats and you can have more proportional representation. Okay. However, your region just got bigger. So the ability to get a fine-grained regional representation becomes weaker. You can no longer represent um, a small area, say, Victoria Beacon Hill or Esquimalt, because to get a geographic area large enough to get 10 members you need to start making that area bigger so suddenly we're okay. grouping victoria and Esquimalt together okay but again if we're talking about 10 members that's great if you know you have 40 30 and 30 but if we suddenly get 45 um 25 and and 30 well you're back into the same problem you have 10 seats you can't give somebody half a seat so what do you do with this person that won 45 and this other party that won 25 that's not a problem. And I mean, the bigger you make things, right? If now we're dealing with 100 seats over a much larger area, 45, 25, and 30 is not a problem. We can give somebody 45 seats, 25 seats, and 30 seats, right? Mm-hmm. So the general principle here is that the narrower you make your region, the fewer people you elect from that region, um, and the harder it is to get to proportionality. Oh. The larger you make the region, the more people you elect from that region, the easier it is to get to proportionality. Right. 
I that makes sense now. That's why you can't separate regional from proportional. Yeah, and oh, jeez. Now, yeah, <laughs> what mixed member proportional and dual member proportional are essentially trying to do is compensate for disproportionality. Um, but I mean. And you can do that, but it's a more complicated way to get to proportionality because they're trying to preserve those single-member districts. They're trying to keep districts from being too large. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like all these systems are way more complicated than first-past-the-post, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it's going to take a lot more work and a lot more – it's going to take more time then to – well, no. Yeah, it'll take so, more time to count the – a little bit. I mean, it won't take very much. For There'll just be member, more people doing stuff. Yeah, for mixed member proportional, like we'll still get the we'll still get the results night of for mixed member proportional and probably for dual member proportional as well. Okay. Um, between entering numbers into a computer and let, letting the computer do the more complicated, like you still have a paper ballot, but mm-hmm. so long as you kind of type the ballot or type the you know Info, the NDP right. won X number of votes in this writing. The more it's complicated gonna... calculations can be, the computer can handle that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, for sure. At least for these two systems. Rural-urban STV is going to get interesting in this respect. Okay. So before that, does just the fact that dual members never never been used anywhere, that just freaks me out. Because I'm. it's like getting the next first Apple yeah. thing or yeah. the first Tesla car. Absolutely. You're like, is it going to work? It'll, it'll work. Um so dual member, here's where all, the, the simple trade-off for dual member proportional. It is cleaner than the way the mixed member proportional as put on the ballot. It's cleaner than that. Um, and it's probably easier for voters too. Right. Because you just vote for the party or the, the two candidates you like. Um, so, so yeah, right. For us coming to the ballot to, to vote, yeah. it's going to feel the same as, as for yeah. best post. Yeah. Okay. Um, the, the trade-off is the second thing that you mentioned. We don't know. Like, all of these things can have unintended consequences. <laughs> all electoral systems will change the behavior of MLAs at least a little bit. And you don't exactly know exactly how that's going to work until you see it happen. Oh, repeat that. It's going to change the behaviors of the It'll change the, the behavior of MLAs. Right. What? So, <laughs> if an MLA is elected from a riding they really have an incentive to pay attention to people from that riot. Right. If an MLA is elected off a party list and it's the party that decides the list, then they have an incentive to really pay attention to what the party wants. If they're elected off an open list in a mixed member proportional system, then they have an incentive to pay attention to whoever's voting for that open list and whoever oh, puts them. Oh, shit. Yes. The, the MLAs are going to behave a little bit differently. There's some, another thing, like never cross this yeah. must this must be so all of you guys in the world of politics like that, that that that's what rolls around your head you guys must just be going crazy right now um a little <laughs> like, like a lot of I mean, I mean i mean in british columbia yeah but yeah, I, mean, I mean or it's just like super interesting it's like a math problem like yeah the, and the the, brain teaser yeah a lot there, there's a i mean there's a bunch of us that that look at this a lot, um, just country to country. 
Mm. And so you don't need a referendum necessarily to, to, to start going, well, in Ireland, they end up doing this. And in oh, Germany, okay. they end up like at behaving like this. And right. yeah, if BC adopts dual member proportion, it'll be really interesting because, I mean, I don't think MLAs are going to behave all that differently than first past the post because they're still elected in writings. Right. But I've never seen it. So I don't know. Right. Um. So, I mean, I mean, there's an element to this where we're... With mixed member proportional, I can look at Germany or look at New Zealand and, okay, okay, we did that and this is kind of how MLAs in Germany now behave or this is how MLAs in New Zealand now behave. I don't have an example. Like, I, I can guess with dual member proportional and, and make an educated guess and theorize, but I can't test it until somebody uses the system. Yeah. So, like, talking about how they would change, like, would it be that from my seat, like, I probably wouldn't really notice it much. Like, from where I'm sitting, you have to be really paying attention and seeing, yeah. like, hmm, like, what would get done when issues arose kind of thing, I guess, is the, the thing yeah, you're talking about. Yeah, where, where it starts to get tricky is where MLAs end up in this choice between representing their riding or, or falling in line with the party. Okay. And obviously, right. if you're elected by a, on a party list that's determined by the party, you're going to fall in line with your party. Right. Isn't there one, I, I thought I heard of one NDP MLA that wasn't happy about this referendum. I mean, I, I don't know if there's an, M, I, I can't think of an MLA. I know people associated with the NDP that are unhappy about the referendum. Oh. I don't remember. The former premier, <coughs> Ujjal DeSange, is campaigning against it. He used to oh. be, uh, he, used, he, was the, he was an NDP premier here. Um, he's also notably a federal liberal cabinet minister, so he, he's, I don't know how close <laughs> to the NDP he is anymore. But <laughs> that's different, yeah. Okay, um, okay. Well, let's try rural now. Okay. Now, this is it, oh, I'm going to make a little caveat here that we talked about STV in the last yes, one. Yes, so we can go. People can go back to that because we'll probably. Yep. I don't know, we might go into it in as much detail, I'm not sure, but yeah. it's part of rural-urban. So, the nice thing with the last episode in STV and the mixed member proportional in this episode, we've essentially explained rural-urban proportional. Um, oh. Because what rural-urban proportional is, it's not actually an electoral... It says it right there. Yeah. It's not actually an electoral system. It's two. Um, and in urban areas, it'll use STV. And in rural areas, it'll use mixed member proportional. Cool. Okay, so 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 let me just yeah, let's do this. I'll read this one, and then uh, you can explain things okay, as sure. we go through. So yeah, rural or urban proportional combine, combines two different. I'm gonna start over. Bleh. Rural urban proportional (RUP) combines two different proportional voting systems. Like you just said, it's two. Yeah. Um, more people <laughs> to <laughs> employ a single trans. Transferable vote, STV, and mixed member proportional, MMP. And that's what you said. We talked about mixed member proportional because that's one of the ones we can vote for by itself yeah, on this yeah. ballot. And STV, which is weird because STV, you said, was the one that when we did this referendum before was yeah. the only one that we were yes. choosing for. And now it's not even on here at all by itself. Yes. Interesting. And there's a reason for that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you want to tell me that now or after? Uh, it might be after. It's okay. probably easiest. Okay. So voters in urban and semi-urban districts use STV to elect multiple MLAs for their larger electoral district. Yeah. So you, <laughs> if you live in Victoria, you live in Vancouver, um, you're going to you're gonna end up with a quite large district, 
Um, it might be half of Vancouver. Um, and you'll have multiple MLAs elected out of that district. Okay. So one thing I, I read an article uh, that I actually read part of, it said um, what's concerning about this is they're not saying what semi-urban is. Uh, like yeah, where that that's line... a valid concern, right? If you live in Mission or you live in Abbotsford, or for that matter in Nanaimo, are you in an urban district or are you, you going to be using STV or are you going to be using mixed member proportional? And because because if you're because if you don't know that and you're voting for this system you you don't you don't know what you're voting for. Yeah, I mean that that's but I mean I think it's a little bit less of a concern because it'll change over time anyways. Um just as population Yeah, change. exactly. As, as some places become more urban or less urban 10 years down the road or 15 years down right. the road they're going to have to change the districts. Okay. And and they would have to do that under first past the post too, right? Every 10 years or so, we redraw all the boundaries to make sure that, to kind of account for the fact that people move. Okay. And so you're saying it's not a freak out point? No, I don't okay. think so. I, I, I think there's a lot of talk about boundary drawing. We don't have any maps. And it's like, yeah, you don't know what it's going to look like in the next couple of elections. But quite frankly, once you get past the next couple of elections, you don't know what first past the post, what the maps will look like in first past the post either, because they all oh. have to change over time. That's so important to think about. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the fact that people move means that any system, you need to redraw boundaries. Right. And see, this is one of the things I think that people are throwing out there. Like, yeah. we don't know this and we don't know that. And it's like, you're like, yeah, we I never mean, do. <laughs> it would be nice to see a map and it would give us a better yeah. sense of what these would look like. But like I say, 10 years around, ten years down the road, it's a different map anyways. Hmm. And okay. it'll be like that. Even if we stick with first past the post, it'll be like that. Okay. So STV would be in the urban and semi-urban areas. Yeah. Okay. Parties can run multiple candidates in a district and voters rank their preferred candidates on the ballot, one, two, three, et cetera. Uh, voters, rank, voters can rank as many candidates as they wish, as they wish. Okay, I'll stop there. So that's for the STV? Yeah. Okay. So maybe there, because then, then it goes into rural districts. Well, okay, rural districts voters use MMP to elect districts in district and regional MLAs. See yeah. above. Okay. So let's talk about STV there for the urban people. Yeah. So you're going to get your ballot and it's going to be longer. It's not going to be like insanely long. It's not going to be like the Vancouver ballot. They just had the municipal election, but you'll get <laughs> um, most parties won't not parties will be allowed to nominate as many candidates as there are seats available. Most parties won't. Um, and the reason they won't is there's a danger in the system. If you split if you split your first choice votes, that all of your candidates end up being the first candidates to get eliminated. So there's an incentive in this system to run basically one more candidate than you think you can win, or than you think that in terms of number of seats that you can win. So if the NDP think in a riding, say with six members um, to be or six seats, that they can win three seats, they'll probably run four candidates. You know, just in case they they do better than they think they will, okay. um, but they probably won't run six. Um, so you'll get um, a ballot with a list of candidates, three or four probably from each party, um, and you get to ch to go kind of one to whichever number you like um, through all the candidates. And you can rank all the candidates from one party together. So you can go liberal one, liberal two, liberal three. You could rank them. You could kind of intersperse them. So you could put a liberal first and a Democrat second, another liberal third, a green member fourth, and, and so on and so forth. Which is something you can't do with the no. dual member. However... <laughs> If you care about which party, 
if you really care about which party wins, you should rank everybody from the can from the same party together. Makes sense. Um, because if your first choice candidate gets eliminated, your ba- your ballot just goes to your second choice candidate. If you put the okay. liberals first and a green member second, then if that liberal candidate you voted for first gets eliminated, they don't win enough votes to win a seat. Your va- your vote's now a green vote because that's what your second choice was. So if you really wanted a liberal, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so the incentive here is to rank, unless you are, unless you really don't care about which party wins the seat, you only care about which individual wins the seat. Your incentive here is to rank. That'd be a very interesting way for people to vote and see how the outcome would be. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I I do this in my poly one-on-one class. I have them vote under these different systems. Inevitably, students kind of, I don't think screw up's the right word. They they make mistakes in the strategy for SCV in -hmm. that a lot of students split their vote, split their rankings between parties. So they'll have a green first, a new Democrat second, a green third. And it produces weird results when they do that. Yeah, that'd be an interesting thing, too, of, like, where would there still... Well, of course there's strategy. So yeah. there'd still be... Oh, in all of these systems, there's strategy. People. Oh, man. Like, and then that, that, perhaps this is a longer longer thing that perhaps we should leave to, to the... <laughs> the strategic to, voting. To after in, we finish. Yeah, yeah. To, uh, I, I can do... After, I can do, like, a five minutes on strategic voting in each of these systems. Yeah. Um, most... It's going to be similar in a lot of these systems. But, yeah, okay. the strategic voting is inescapable. Okay. So, yeah, STV, it's... It's... You just get more people to vote for. Yeah. Um, and then the counting get... This is where the counting gets really complicated. So, Ireland uses this system. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes days to count the votes. Oh. Now, that's not a huge problem, right? Like, and, and it, we're used to <clears throat> well, getting election especially results. Especially our last election. Yeah. We're <laughs> used to getting election results the night of, but, like, not much changes if we get the election result two to two days later. Yeah, it's not like true. within those two days something is going to happen. That's, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, the what this system tries to do is allocate those six or seven or however many seats are in the district reasonably proportionally. Um to party well not really to parties but to candidates so and it the essential thing in the system is only vote one vote only ever counts towards electing one candidate so let's say you've got a district with four members in it um there's a threshold that's going to be set there's a formula that you can look up for kind of exactly how that works this is why the system is not made for radio (laughs) there's math (laughs) involved um but, but let's say you get a threshold of 20%. Candidate needs 20% to win a seat. You count everybody's first choice votes. Um, and if somebody has 20% of the vote, they're elected. Okay. If somebody has more votes than they need, let's say they have um, two more votes than they needed under the, thresh- uh, under the threshold. Well, those extra two votes aren't really going to electing that candidate, right? Because they already have as many votes as they need. Right. So we need to redistribute those votes to their those voters' second choices. Um, okay. Now, we don't want to just t- take two votes at random, so realistically, we're going to look at every second-choice vote and distribute the extra votes in proportion to the second-choice votes. The The example I give here is if you've got candidate A's, two votes over the threshold, they have two extra votes to give to other candidates, yeah. and half of the people that voted for candidate A had candidate B as their second choice, and half of the people that voted for candidate A had candidate c is their second choice right candidate b gets an extra vote half of the two extra yeah. and candidate c gets an extra vote half of the two extra right 
Um, you then go and check to um, to um, see if anybody else has reached the threshold. If not, whoever's got the lowest number of votes gets eliminated. And if you voted for the person who has who just got eliminated, we look at your second choice vote and give that to. So, so what you mean there is like so then if B meets their threshold, yeah, and then they have two more, yeah, then does and and that goes to C and yeah. D, and then when C makes theirs, then D just gets kicked out. Yeah, well, some, something. So let's. Let's or, imagine, or C would yeah. just get kicked out. I don't know. Let's imagine that candidate B hasn't yet reached their thresh- threshold yet. Okay. Then we'll look and let's say candidate D is the candidate with the least number of votes. We would eliminate candidate D. And anybody who voted for candidate D, we would look at their second choice. Oh, And okay. give their votes to the second choice. And then we would check to see if anybody's elected. And let's say if candidate B is then elected again and has two extra votes, we then need to look at... Do the same thing we did. Either way, it is complicated. And we, yeah, I mean, you it's, just keep doing that until every seat is filled. Right. Yeah. Right. And and a recount would suck. Yes. <laughs> yes. And and <clears throat> I made the example nice because I don't like doing complicated math in my head. Um, <laughs> you can end up redistributing like 0.5 of a vote, right? Because you can imagine a scenario in which um, it wasn't 50-50 for can- candidate A's choice weren't. 50-50 for candidate B and C, but like 75-25. Right. And therefore, right. some one candidate gets a vote and a half and another one gets a half vote. And I mean, th- this is reasonably easy to figure out in the sense that like you put this information into a computer and it does the complicated math and spits out the, I mean, yeah. it does the calculations for you. So it's not, I, I mean, it's only really a headache if you're the person counting votes. Right. It's not really if you're voting or even looking at the results at the end of the day. You can kind of look and, and once the calculations are done, you can kind of see them in front of you. It makes sense. Right. But this would be the difference of like from, from a voter's perspective in the ballot bo- uh, ballot place, whatever. Um, kind of like the mixed member if they had the lists chosen like of all the things you'd have to choose, right? Not- like there's more to choose from. Not quite, because in mixed member you still so in mixed member you're still confined on that open list to voting for people in your party. Okay, so this is yeah you can go all over the yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Okay. Because of the complicated math, or it that's it's probably that's what they say. Generally proportional. So the generally proportional gets us back to that regionality versus regional versus proportional divide, right? The problem is oh. you're going to end up with a riding with seven seats or ten, like five seats, right? What do you do if a party wins 32% of the vote? You can't represent that proportionally. Hmm. So that, that's, the, that's the issue with this system. Okay. Um, you can well, only, that's with the rural-urban or just with the With STV? the rural-urban. With the rural-urban. Um, okay, so yeah. So the other part of this rural-urban is that it then, yeah, that mixed member is for the regional one. Yeah. So the reason for this goes back to this kind of northern BC thing, right? Now, if we're living in Vancouver or living in Victoria, right? We don't care. Combining three, four, <laughs> combining five ridings together, yeah, now your riding's the size of Victoria. Yeah. But Victoria's small. You yeah. can still drive around Victoria. It's not a problem. Yeah. Um, remember when we were talking about Prince George Vale Mount and Prince George Mackenzie? Yeah. Those are two ridings. Yeah. If we're going to get us to the point where you can have four or five ridings or four or five members combining four or five of those ridings, that rotting is going to be half of northern British Columbia. Right. And so I think the BC government kind of looked at that and said, 
no, that that's going to be a writing that's impossible to represent. Mm-hmm. Um, and went with mixed member proportional instead for those regions, just because the size of the writings would have to be so big. Right now, the STV model that was proposed um, for for <clears throat> British Columbia and that we voted on would have had gigantic writings in the interior. So this is basically saying, hey, let's let's do STV, but except where it doesn't make sense. Yeah. So we're where, giving yeah. an option for that. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's okay. So it, rural urban, these two systems together called rural urban has never been done anywhere either. No, right? but both systems have been done. Right. Separately. Yeah. But not together. Yeah. Then it's a different system. So it's it never. Is a bit, it's, yeah. But we, we, we kind of know what it's the, like. It's like, it's, it's like potato chip or, or french fries and milkshakes sure i, I never tried that but see see yeah. but you've eaten both yeah you had both um but that being said we know kind of how the we know how the mla is elected under stv will behave because we can look at a country like ireland that uses the system or for that matter australia for the senate they use the system as well and we know how those people behave Mm-hmm. And then we know how the mixed member proportional members will behave because we can look at Germany or New Zealand and we say, oh, well, this is how they behave under this system. Um, so we can make a pretty good guess. I can say fairly confidently. We can kind of look and say, well, the mixed member proportionally elected MLAs will behave differently than the STV elected MLAs. Um, hmm. But we kind of know how they're going to behave differently. Um, so, for example, because in STV you're running against members of your own party, um, the only way you can kind of distinguish yourself is being quite good at representing your riding. Um, and so STV MLAs will will have a strong incentive to be very good constituency representatives. Um, MMP MLAs won't have that same incentive. So yeah, they get different behaviors from different MLAs, but which could be just interesting from a political science standpoint, but I don't <laughs> know if voters will want that. Well, that's the thing. Like first I was going into this and I was I was getting to the point where I was like, I don't know, man. I think I'm just going to stick with first past post because it's, it's all getting scary. I'm reading all these headlines and everyone's yeah. screaming out there. And I don't understand these. And this wasn't used before. And that wasn't used before, even though it's two things that. But now talking through them, it almost seems like, well, I don't know if they all sound okay-ish or if. I'm just someone who likes to see shit disturbed too. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm I mean, like, it'd be kind of like how you said it'd be interesting to see. <laughs> every system's going to have different problems, all right, and that that's something and that includes first past the post, mm-hmm. and and so it it matters. Like, it depends which problems you care most about, um, and which ones you worry about most, and and that's going to lead you to different electoral systems. Here's a question: <clears throat> Has any country ever gone from mixed from uh, proportional representation? Two first past the post, not quite. Mm. Um, Fran- like I'm trying to picture like a referendum yeah. going. We want to go to first past the post. So New Zealand had a referendum after they adopted mixed member proportional um, to go back to first past the post, but that referendum failed. Right, but it, it was something they already number. had. But well, they, they started with first past the post. Yeah. They had a referendum adopted mixed member proportional, and then had another referendum. That, so they adopted. Um, mixed member proportional in the early 90s at a referendum in the early 2000s um on whether to go back to first past the post yeah and it lost which is what um, we would quote yeah we'd be, to do. we'd be yeah. doing exactly that yeah. new zealand they never planned on doing that they just kind of 
after the fact decided they wanted to have a second referendum, mm-hmm. it, it's planned upon in, in British Columbia yeah. here. Um, but, but there's no like place that's that has mixed or uh, proportional representation, a, a type of it that consider even considers first past the post. So France is complicated here because France doesn't have first past the post. They've got a runoff system, which is a different type of system, but okay. it's, it's close to first past the post. Okay. Um, they they had a runoff system. They went to a mixed member or they went to a proportional system. I forget whether it was mixed member or just a straight proportional system. Um, and then they went back to their runoff system. Now that was entirely politically motivated. Mm. Um, the center left one. The center left basically thought they could get an advantage over the center right by adopting a proportional system. And so when the center right got in power, they got rid of it. Right. So right. Um, but then it was very brief and it fought one election under that proportional system and then moved back. Um, but that that was parties playing politics with the electoral right. system. That wasn't a normative thing. So, yeah, like what I'm thinking is that the population, once they get proportional representation happening, probably wouldn't okay going back. I don't know. To, like um, it, 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 it's it, like it, it's, it's it's almost like okay this is this is probably not a good comparison but because it's usually a majority government with first past the post if we pretended that that was a little more monarchy ish mm. right like it was a king because they just got the power yeah um it would be like saying a country who had democracy going back to like, you know what? We don't want that. We'll just have yeah. king and queen again. The funny is, so Newfoundland actually did that. Um, what? Before it was part of Canada. Um, they, really? they gave up democracy. Um, <laughs> but, oh, I want to hear that story. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, I, friends in history that could probably tell it better. Okay. Um, so I, I, I'm not so sure that, that we would adopt it and not go back. And, and part of what makes me nervous is the size of British Columbia. I think it's entirely possible that that trying to make a proportion that, that trying to make a proportional system work in a province the size of BC or in an area the size of BC is going to raise problems that are different than what we would see in most proportional countries. Mm. And I'm not and like I say this isn't a reason they're solvable problems it's just a little bit harder to solve them. Um and so it it's um but like it's possible that that proportional might raise problems in BC that wouldn't exist elsewhere, and that could lead people to to get, vote to get rid of the system. Hmm, that's really interesting. Okay, so yeah, did you want to talk about a bit about strategic voting in this kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, I think it's worth because there, there's a lot of talk about strategic voting and whether how like whether it would change or be different under, and, and it would definitely be different. Um. But it, it's a mistake, I think, to suggest that there's no strategic voting in any electoral system. Right. Because um, I was it, thinking, yeah, going into this, it would get rid of that. But So it gets rid of a certain kind of strategic voting, um, whereby you vote for kind of – you look at the two – you strategically vote for the candidate between the top two that you think you prefer – or you least you prefer the – you hate the least, right? Okay. So if, you've, if you're a green voter but your riding is um, either New Democrat or liberal and they're really close, you might vote – either for the Liberal Party or the NDP, because you know the Greens have no chance. Mm-hmm. So that you don't need to worry about under under a proportional system. However, there's a different kind of strategy that comes in, right? Because now we're talking about minority governments and coalition governments. Um, 
And that invites a different kind of strategy. Um, There's two potential here. If you know, so you're probably going to get a system with two large parties and some smaller parties. And the coalition's probably going to be one large party and a smaller party. Um, or one large party and multiple smaller parties. Right. Um, in BC, it's a smaller number of seats. So we're probably talking about a large party and a small party. Um, the party that's probably going to form the coalition is the... I mean, it's not always true, but it's probable um, that the party that's going to form the coalition is the largest party. Mm-hmm. Now, if you prefer one of the small parties, but you're looking at it, it's really close between the two larger parties... You might vote for the larger party you want to have the to form the coalition to make sure that they kind of have the best shot at leading a coalition. Alternatively, um, if you know that um, you know which large like if the large parties poll in far and wide. Let's say um, I got to figure out how to say this without being partisan. Um, or, or, um, let's say the, the I'll go with I'll go with the NDP because it popped into my mind first. Okay. Let's say the NDP is pulling at 45% and the Liberals are pulling at 30%. And you, you're pretty sure the NDP is going to win. Yeah. In that sense, if you're an NDP voter, you might say, well, let's say there's a Green Party and there's like the far left party that we'll make up because yeah. for the example to work. You might go, well, I like the Greens. I don't like the far left party. I know the NDP are going to win. I'm normally an NDP voter. Do I want the NDP to form a coalition with the far left or with the Greens? Oh, okay. And you might vote for the Greens so that they were stronger. And so you get an NDP Green coalition instead of an NDP far left coalition. But in a sense, that's not strategic. That's just saying who you'd like to be also in but, I mean, there. It, not, it, not out of power as much. It's still, but yeah, but it's, it's just a different kind of strategy, right? It's strategy yeah. with respect to coalitions. Like right. first past the post also isn't strategic in, in the same way that you're saying between the two parties that have the most chance of being in power, this is the one I would prefer, right? Yeah. Um, it's a different kind of strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more complicated, and I think less people will do it. Um, under this system, lots of people don't strategic vote too. They right. just they. That's why we end up with vote splits and with parties winning what forty right. or thirty five percent of the vote. Um, so yeah, fewer people might strategic vote, but there's still a strategy to voting. There's always a strategy. To yeah, voting. of course. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Okay. So. <clears throat> Well, I don't know if I'm more confused or less confused. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about that. <laughs> well, I th- well, it's it's like anything I learn about politics. It, it's like it just more questions and more yeah. questions. You want to learn more and more. Mm. Um, I, I think I'm not as scared. Okay, that's good. So, I, I, I'm, I'm glad for that. Like now I'm like – because before I was like hitting all this stuff. I'm like I don't know if we should give these things a try because it's scary. Now I'm like – I think any of them would be kind of fun. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's going to get complicated. And, and I mean, but it, it's stuff that if we decide we want to as a province or if a government decides it wants to, we can figure it out. Yeah. And also, like you said, that even if, like, no matter what happens, we're, we're going to be fine. Yeah. I mean, no matter what happens, we're going to be a democracy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and people... You're, you're not going to commit to fine. <laughs> uh, I look at Europe these days and I get a little bit scared. Oh, um, great. Well, now I'm scared the, the, again. The, the flip side is I look at Europe and I look at first past the post and proportional and I'm like, well, in either case, I'm not sure if they're going to be fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> So maybe it's just Europe. It's not so yeah, much the yeah, voting no, no, system. Yeah, no, 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 it's not the voting system at all. <laughs> yeah, no, I look at like... Germany, like, oh, I don't like what's going on there. And then look at Britain, like, oh, I don't like what's going on there either. Yeah, yeah. 
So this is the, I've got my, there's a lot of envelopes in this package. Yeah, yeah. You've got your, I don't know what, you got certification, certification envelope, you got your return envelope. Oh, that's the ballot, actual ballot. So see the two questions. And then, oh, so, okay. So that's interesting. For the second question, with which one you want. You have your choice of first, second, and third choices. Yes. So that's like, uh, this is almost like a sample ballot for mixed member. STV, <laughs> no, not mixed member. Um, oh. STV. Oh, okay. So what happens if someone checks off the first, like they're like, yeah, proportional representation, but then they just don't, they just like X off the whole question too? Um, then it counts as a vote for proportional representation, but we ignore the vote when it comes to choosing which system. So then it's just whoever voted on the system yeah. would get it. Yeah. Huh. Okay. That makes sense. Right. So there's that. Then there's a checklist. Says, yeah. And oh, this is the, a security sleeve. Yeah. I mean, the reason you have like all these envelopes is is so that we have an envelope that makes sure you're you, right? That you're a person eligible for the vote. It's a certification yeah. envelope. Um, but we also need, we, we can't have, um, we can't have that attached to the ballot, right? Because then we figure out who you, what you had voted for. Oh. <laughs> so I, uh, right, okay. I've never actually seen this done, but my sense, my, my, my understanding, and then BC, Elections BC does this, has done this before. Yeah. Um, but they, they kind of check, okay, they look at the, the first envelope you send in, it's got your name on it, yes, you're on the voters list, open that. They don't look at the ballot. They, they throw the security leave in a security sleeve in a, in a ballot box somewhere, and now your vote, is, or your vote is completely disassociated from your name. Okay. So they can't tell who voted for what. Okay, I see. Well, not a bad little process then, I guess. Yeah. Um, how long do you think... After, because this is until you have to November November, 30th. November 30th. So how long after do you think, did they say? I don't know. I imagine it'll be pretty quick. These ballots shouldn't be hard to count. Um, And because they're coming in for so, over so long, well, as long as people (laughs) don't wait forever. But it's a matter of, yeah, but I mean, you, 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 you basically can split them into two piles, right? First past the post and proportional, you count them in whichever one's larger. Um, Right, and then you do the same thing with the the, the uh, when you're looking at the different proportional systems, split them into three piles. With the smallest pile gets eliminated, you you resort those ballots, and whichever right. pile is larger. Like, so it might not, be, yeah, it's not going to take a huge amount of time. Yeah, and they might just do count the first question first because they might not need to count the second. Yeah, or I, um, I, I don't know if they're going to release this. This that's an that's an interesting question, which I can't answer. Whether they'll count the second ballot if first past the post wins on the first ballot. Be- My instinct would be, you know, be nice to know, <laughs> but yeah. Well, I could see in the media, right? Like, let's say mixed members winning for the second question. I think they'll release it all at once. Like, well, no, like, think, like yeah, how yeah. they just said, like, yeah. this, like, the first week, it yes is winning, right? Yeah, so, I mean, so okay, it could be something like, well, I guess, yeah, they won't release anything at all. No. So, I wonder where they got that yes is winning thing from. I think just people, Just people... Just, they're either guessing or they're polling. It's just press. And and I, <laughs> I'm really hesitant to make any kinds of predictions here. Yeah. Um, 
to go back to the kind of the one third, one third, and one third poll. Third people support PR, third yeah. people first pass post, third people don't know. I don't know where the people who don't know will come down um, or if they'll vote at all. And then turnout and mail-in ballots can be low. Yeah. And so I don't know if one side will turn out more than the other. So there are two things that I don't know. And I don't think we can know with any kind of certainty. So given we've got two really important things that I don't know what the answer <laughs> will be. Like, like I, <laughs> I think any attempt to predict this is, is, is kind of a fool's game. Well, okay. And just how you said you don't know. Like I, just myself right now, yeah. I've gone from I'm scared just I'm gonna, I might just stick with what we got to oh these others kind of sound fun might Fair. look into yeah. those right and then but then depending on what I like intake I get like yeah. over yeah. the next couple of weeks who knows where I might freak out again I might be like uh oh, totally fair yeah so so here's a question where what what do you think where should people go to prepare for this or what should they listen to not listen to um the election the BC website's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Um, the video is there. There's um, if you're really confused by STV, and I think we all are, or we all tend to be when we first see the system. Uh, CGP Gray has a good video on a YouTube video you can see on STV. It's got it's like an Animal Kingdom voting thing, but it explains the system quite well. Um, right. Yeah, and and importantly, it's yeah. video, so it's it's a little easy. This is yeah. one of the things that's easier to see. Um. They also, CGP Cray also is one for mixed member proportional, but um, because MMP is a little bit unique in BC, I wouldn't rely, like, like that'll give you a general sense of how the system works. But it, um, it will work a little differently. It'll here. work a little bit different in BC. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then they didn't do one for dual member proportional because, quite frankly, very few people had heard of the system before the referendum. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would look for public academic y stuff. So there's a number of profs at UBC. Um, who tend to comment on this kind of thing, and they tend to be quite good. Um, so that would be my kind of next place to go to. Um, there's one guy, Max Cameron, who and, and my dissertation supervisor, Richard Johnston, whenever they speak about this stuff, it's usually quite good analysis. And that would be kind of another another place that, okay. that I would look for, for information. Um, and I know both have been doing some media hits, have been talking. Um, reasonably publicly. So it's Max, 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 yeah. and then who's the? What was uh, that? Richard Johnston. Okay. And then I'm sure there'll be people at. I'm sure there'll be people at of um, Simon <clears throat> Fraser and Uvic and and people talking about this stuff publicly. And those are the people I trust the most. I'm getting a little wary of the two campaigns. Right. Yeah. Because um, that's what you're saying. Like, like what you're saying is go to the source. Like, go to listen to people that know what it's about. Yeah. Not who are politically, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not saying ignore the campaigns. It's, mm-hmm. it's they are making arguments for their side, and they're worth listening to. Yeah. Um, but yeah. seems super what, sway to me though. Like, like for myself, even it's just like I hear a couple things. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. But you gotta, you gotta be careful about that because they're not like, always as accurate as you would hope them to be. Yeah, and like you said um, at the beginning, like things that I was like concerned about. It's like, oh, don't really figure out about that. <laughs> it's not that big yeah. a deal. I mean. The, the thing I would look for, look for people who talk about trade-offs. Trade-offs. Yeah, and you say, like, there are, who, who acknowledge that there are problems with any kind of electoral system. Who aren't just saying, like, this is way better, this is exactly. way better. yeah. Okay. And you said um, you have a blog post. You did a blog post about something. Yeah, I've been doing a series. I've got a blog somewhere left of Ottawa, which, 
Yeah, it's, that's it's, the name of it. Yeah, a friend of mine, um, and I, I blog just in general about politics. But I've been doing a series of kind of simulations as to what. Not what would have happened, but if you take vote shares from previous elections and run them through different systems, what different results do you get? Okay. Um, and yeah, so I, I do. I did one on mixed member proportional. If you did it kind of the German, not the German way, like that, the way that I think makes more sense. Okay. Um, mixed member proportional under the way that the province is, uh, um, has designed it, and then a dual member and um, rural urban. I've done posts kind of okay, looking great. at. If people voted the same way, which they won't, but but um, I can't kind of guess at the way people are voting. Uh, what what would, what what how would which parties would have won which seats essentially yeah. to get at how the systems affect proportionality? Oh, okay, I see, yeah. I see. And so, where can you find that? Uh, you Google blog? somewhere left of Ottawa. It'll um, just come up. Yeah, it should come up. Um, it's a WordPress. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Well, I think that's probably good for today. Yeah, I mean, we've probably done. I, I've what? done probably enough for anybody to kind of wrap their head around. So. Well, I think for me, like, like for someone who doesn't know it well, even after like, like I was listening to one of the first ones we did and I was like, oh, cause I just, I forget stuff, right? If I'm mm, not yeah. working with it yeah. right away, I just goes away. So I was listening to it again. It was like learning it for the first time again. And then now with this, like, yeah, I, you, I do your headlight looks right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I know that. <laughs> Well, it's good, though, because, like, people like me can listen to this maybe a few times and we'll get it. Hopefully, yeah. And then maybe go to your blogs and it'll, like, really sink in. But also other people who already have a bit of a grasp, I think, can listen to it and they'll get, what, a little more depth of how the systems might work. So well, I hope so. I think it's good. Yeah. yeah well, thanks for coming right. by again. Thank you for having me. Okay. I'll talk to All you later. Talk to you later. Well, there we go. I I hope that cleared everything up for you. There's a lot to think about and a lot riding on it in this referendum for how we vote in BC. But like Daniel said, no matter what happens, we'll still be a democracy. So thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the episode with Daniel Westlake, and I hope you share it with as many people as you can because we really need to get information about this referendum out there, um, it, especially the detailed stuff he said about about the uh the regions and the provincial lists, right? Like that changes a lot of things for the mixed member um, system. So anyway, I hope you share it with friends and share the information. Let's really have this referendum be something that we all actually get voting on and know what we're, what we're voting for actually. So So now for some business and the shameless plea for support. (laughs) I hope you might be interested in donating a couple bucks for a coffee or a couple more for a beer or even a little chunk of change that might help go towards expenses. We'd be be exceedingly grateful. Just click on one of the links in the episode description or drop by the website at www.governthis.ca and... Also, we'd love to hear from you, so visit the website and leave a comment or hit us up on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash govern this and tell us what you think of the podcast. Maybe even leave us some questions or topics you might want us to cover in the future episodes. Feel free to give us a shout on Twitter at wegovernthis or shoot us an email at we at govern this.ca. 
So if you like what you've heard and you think it's important, please share this with as many people as you can. Hopefully we can all become a little more aware and involved. Until next time, stay curious.